This is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Anto, guitarist with Sinnocence. How are you, my man? How's it going, mother? And Dwayne, the singer with Sinnocence. How's it going, dude? Welcome aboard, lads. Great to have you on. Thanks for having us, man. 
Yeah, it's going to be probably an episode where we'll be doing more looking back than looking forward. But that's understandable considering the situation at the moment, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I saw ye lads was Bloodstock in 2018. And that was an important gig for you in a lot of ways, because I suppose with Dwayne, how many gigs had you played with the lads at that stage, Dwayne? Um, I think I was my my third gig um, with the boys um, and that was including the first one I came on for like one or two songs and then I did a full a full gig and then I did Bloodstock Also there was a kind of handing over of the the flame from Morrow to you is it? That's right yeah and then um, then we did our full we done we done a, a pre-Bloodstock like a warm-up gig in the limelight um, and it was good and then um we done that one, so yeah, it was a wee bit nerve wracking doing the, the the full set even before Bloodstock because I used to be in bands years ago and it was a good eight years from when I was on stage, like so. Wow, um, it was a bit, it was a tight, and then straight in the Bloodstock as well. So, and of was, course, uh, you didn't have the benefit of a, a telecast, is that what they call it, where the lyrics come up in front of you? <laughs> yeah, so I had I'd been learning the songs a good while, like I had. I knew the songs, but it was the standard. Uh, before you're going on, you're like, "The fuck's the lyrics?" You know, you can't, you can't remember the lyrics. Like, but then the music starts playing, and even before it was my time to sing, I was all, "I can't remember the lyrics, can't remember the lyrics, can't." Oh, remember. Wow. And then just as you're about to start singing, you remember it. So it's lucky enough. Like, but yeah, that still happens to me. So it's all good. Yeah, that's that's probably on the back of your mind as a, as a singer, really, just to have your fucking lyrics nailed down. You know, yeah. but uh, that performance that day um, was brilliant. What we usually do that was our last year going to Bloodstock. So there's around eight or nine of us from Cork over there every year, East Cork Metal Militia, and that was our last year we went because for the first time ever it started pissing rain, if you can remember, yeah. and. Um, so every year we go and see the four or five Irish acts. It was great seeing you in the Jägermeister tent. I fucking love that that little stage there. Yes. You look like you were having fun, Anthony, anyway. It's interesting up there. It was like, like I was doing, it was like first or second gig. And then we're all just, you know, Boston. I mean, the stage was so small. Mm. I mean, we're like, we're all just, we're all just bouncing around. We're used to moving a bit more, like, you know, so that kind of made it. I made it even better because then I had to go out to the front, you know, right into the crowd and fuck around. Like I, it was, it was good. Like you know, I had to be like a flamingo and stand on one foot because there was no room on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good, good first couple of shows. Like you know, you went through the qualifiers to get to Bloodstock, or were you invited, Anto? Uh, <clears throat> we're invited that year. Um, the last two years we made the final. Um, so Simon was like, you know. Just invited us to do the Bloodstock stage, which was nice. Like, you know, um, with the addition of Dueno saying, uh, give us a bit of a platform to for Dueno to, you know, come on and introduce them to, to everybody. Like, so it was kind of, it was a good thing for Simon. It was a good thing for us. It was just really nice. It was a good thing for him to do, like, you know. Yeah. And Dwayne, what was your background? Um, how did you come to the lads' attention? Well, um, I've known I've known the boys a lifetime. Um, I've gigged with them. On the last, in the last two bands I was in, um, with uh, Anto and myself are cousins. We're, we're blood like, so we talked for years about always being in a band together and stuff. And, uh, like I was a fan of Citizens, you know what I mean? I, I, 
I enjoyed going to watch the guys and stuff, um, and it was awesome. But then the opportunity came up where, where Morrow was leaving, so uh, he wanted to step down or whatever. So um, um, Anto was straight on the phone to me then and asked me, um, was I interested? And obviously I was, so I jumped mm. at the opportunity to get playing with the boys. Anto, mustn't have been easy for Morrow to make that decision, or was it? Because, um, I mean... Uh, You've been together since how long? Since when? 2000? Yeah, to be honest, like Morrow's the Morrow started the band, you know. Uh, no, 2001. Ah, yeah. okay. So I say like near 20 years, uh, half and then what, 17 or thereabouts. But like Morrow was doing, to be honest, Morrow's phenomenal songwriter, singer, but doing both. I mean, the stuff that we play and mm. his vocals, I don't know how he done it for so long, to be honest. It was just, it's just a lot to ask off one person. I always yeah. thought, you know, if we had a frontman really ramming this stuff home, it would definitely, you know, it would really make a difference. So we're, we're sort of committed to do the No Gods, No Masters, the trilogy. I think Mara really, really wanted to finish it out, you know. Yeah. Um, and then once, it just, it just sort of, it just became apparent, like it would just be so much better with, with somebody, you know, driving this stuff. You're really racking, <laughs> really, really ramming it down people's throats because Mara was he sort of held back, you know, with a trying to do both. It's very hard to do. So, yeah, whenever Dwayne, the, the minute Dwayne got up, was the first song, just the energy just lifted, just the yeah. whole room felt it. Mm-hmm. Everybody came up after, and any show we've done with Dwayne has just been through the roof as far as energy ways goes. Like, you know, it's just been fucking fantastic. Yeah. But we want to get the new music out. That's the thing. So the pandemic is so frustrating because we're all set to get stuff going. And then, you know, this shit happens. But, uh, you know, we just know, like, you know, as far as a front man goes, there's no better guy. And we just straight to him. And I, that was kind of it, like, you know. Yeah. Like I say, we've known him for years. You know, nobody's, nobody's capable of, like, you know, seeing him. And a lot of times, like, you know, in the back of my mind, it kind of went, fuck, if I could get that guy up, lost. <laughs> We do some damage here, you know. That's that's kind of you know, and we talk about it a lot. And mm-hmm. Even more, like uh, sometimes we send it, but we kind of committed to doing the New Gosman Master Street because that was personal stuff and all fun yes. to do. We got that done, and so that's the dynamic now. We just want to get out there and fucking you know have have a bit more fun and not be as maybe as super serious as we were before. Get out there and really you know really leather it. Like yeah, because I mean. There was a lot of chat across the water from the likes of Krang. You definitely were getting an awful lot of attention. Which album was that? Um, Scar Obscura? Yeah, that, that got reviewed really well. Like, uh, people people seemed to like it and we, we spent a lot of time on it. Like, we, the idea for that album was, let's make an album that nobody can... The only way they could judge it was would basically be on the music. I know it yeah. sounds ridiculous, but get the album recorded so the drums are 100% on point, the vocals are on point, songwriting's on point, everything sounds good. We're not worried about the money, we'll just put as much in there as possible. So the only thing, nobody can knock the production or knock the artwork or not, yes. to make a bulletproof album really was what we tried to do. Um, mm. Like luckily the songs, have, the songs have stood up and people have like really, you know, they really seem to dig it. Like, and, like we still play songs off that album, like, you know. That was, the, that was the idea back then, you know. And when had you come across the band on that second album or were you were you a fan mm-hmm. before that even? Yeah, um, I've been playing alongside them since, oh, 08, was it? 
you'd have probably played with us on that album cycle on that album on those shows for that for that album with Death and stuff like you know we're always playing together like we mm. grew up together from some time long you know even before that like with the NDL boys I think Scar Obscura yeah was flat out then so um, yeah but uh, as I say they're, they're, they were a local town band for me so um, like I was always a fan like you know what was the scene like when you were growing up are you Lurgan or where are you from lads what I Lurgan like Lurgan's about what 25 minutes outside of Belfast um, yeah 25 um, yeah this is like pre-distortion project like you know there was no nothing really going on back back 20 years ago for fuck's sake you know it's um, we're all just trying to find our way we're playing mostly at local bars local clubs and stuff and then started heading down Belfast and got together with a few bands and were you still in school back then oh, like, yeah. and how did you Kind of get guitar lessons, or did you teach yourself, or what? Fuck that! Never had a guitar lesson in my life, which probably shows. To be honest, <laughs> no, just uh, just not even YouTube. Just tabs, just sitting in the room. Yeah, sure. There was no fucking YouTube the, back then, probably. No YouTube, no. Just just sitting tablature, just sitting in the room, playing like you know, a couple of friends would be give you a pointer to you, but. Nah, just long hours sitting in the Metallica, just pure Metallica. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because your rhythm work is fucking fantastic, yeah. man, as a guitarist. Yeah, it's amazing. But I mean, I remember being at Justice for All book and thinking the book was all wrong because nothing I was doing was sounding anything like <laughs> what the fuck I was playing. You know what I mean? Took, us a, took a while to get shit together, like, you know, but uh, what yeah. Was, what was the characters like around your town, lads? Was there. Older Maniac. lads there that had the were into metal before you were, you know, was there a bit of a vibe there? We were the f- one of the first. It was maybe Tilted, there was maybe only one other band. You know, it was just awesome. Maybe Tilted and maybe Who Man What or something. There was, was nobody about. Like, there was fucking very few bands. I mean, when you seen a metal band, it was like, what the hell is that? Like, there was nobody, <laughs> there wasn't many about, like, you know. Yeah. So we were kind of at the what am I at the forefront of that stuff like you know again 20 years and how are you getting it. your music I, I just listen to Iron Maiden and Metallica mostly like uh, the radio show and the and radio is it remember Bruce Dickinson playing Battery by Metallica and I was just listening to like nothing but Iron Maiden and then heard Battery by Metallica and I was, it was a bad move, move Bruce I had to go and get all the Metallica albums and it was just school. Like, it was first year or second year in school. Started getting into it, like, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, from school. iTunes were, was out then, was it? You were able to listen to stuff on iTunes now? Oh, uh, way back, like 20 years. Like, yeah, no trying to fucking think, because I, I remember the iPods. 20, were they out 20 years ago? Do you know what I, do you know what I remember? Like, the bootlegs were a big thing, because... Oh, the cassettes. The bootleg in 88 from Metallica and Danzig. And the guys were sneaking the fucking tape recorders ah, and the yeah. room and all that shit. Mm. And then you'd get the bootleg and come through your school about two two months later. So that's how far back you're going, like 88. Mm. No ice trains, no none of that shit, like, you know, just tape train and stuff. Yeah. Fuck and me, that's how old. So were you going into Belfast at that stage um, to see bands running like that? What was your first gig? Metallica and Danzig. Nice. Yeah. I think it was 10 years Younger than me, like so. Oh fuck it, man! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. I've had a hard road. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Jesus Christ. So Danzig and Metallica, that was that must have been a classic. I didn't catch that one, no. I fucking know there was a bomb scare in the middle of Danzig's set. And I had to evacuate the whole building and then oh. walk it back in again and they finished their set. You know what I mean? Ridiculous. And they played for Metallica played two hours that night, just mm. justice for all, just top of their game, just smashed it like just fuck I was some and I walked out of there like just going to have to learn to play guitar yeah. because that was just that was just I've never seen anything like that in my life and like ever will to be honest mm. the 88 Justice Tour like them boys were just a machine like just yeah. a machine so yeah and Danzig too like uh, they were he was smiling the whole time too and I thought he was this big evil Boston but he them boys were having a blast like you know it was just was yeah, never forget. And that. you went looking then for similar enough lads that would be into the scene that played music, or yeah, I mean, like for me, it was like some of the boys in Sanderson's were a bit younger than me, like you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think I had the guitar and played a band for about maybe fucking five or six years after. You know, it wasn't just right. get a guitar, learn. Sort of had an idea what I was doing, and then we got in a band, you know, that type of thing. Mm. Um, so it was just a. Uh, just local matters, like you know what I mean. If somebody had a guitar, you'd want around for a jam. That, yeah, you know, I don't know, 14, 15 that mm-hmm. age group. And then, I mean, whoever had a drum kit was just in the band, you know, that's just that's fucking how it worked, yeah. like you know. So, pretty much, you said yourself that you like playing drums as well. Did you ever attempt? Like, uh, I can't play drums, but I'm very, very drum oriented when it comes to, to writing. I mean, okay, just. Just playing, I've been lucky enough to play with like our like the drummers we've had in this band have been fucking phenomenal, like yeah. really high level guys. Like so, like I just write the drum, write the music, and then Mara would do obviously all the all the vocals and all. But I'd very much, very much drum focus. I don't know what it is. It's just they're it's rhythm. Just, I, can, I can think think drums very. You know, I know exactly what I want. I can think mm. them better, and I'd follow more drummers. I don't follow any guitar players. Like yeah, I think that's. I <laughs> I think Hetfield is similar enough. That's his thing himself and Lars, just r- rhythm. Yeah, you know. 100%. Yeah, because you can hear it in your playing as well that your fucking rhythm playing is unreal. It has, it has to be like if it's not, you're not going to get that impact. Like in the guitars are so busy, and it's just, it's just it's something I feel strongly about. Like anyway, it's just, it's nothing better to me than looking at a, a good drummer. You know, it's just. I just, I, I just love the drums. Like I don't know, I should have been a drummer. <laughs> um, when Sinisons then were formed, then Anto, were you living near Belfast? What kind of way was the band set up like? Well, the band was in Lurgan. Morrow started the band like he's the one <clears throat> got everything the one got the the first album and all that. I only <clears throat> recorded from the second album onwards, like you know. Um, but Morrow got it going in Lurgan, got it kind of whipped into shape, and then started. <clears throat> trying to get down to Belfast and I was living in Belfast so I kind of helped since at the very okay. way in the early days getting getting shows for them and stuff like that and then you know the opportunity came up just to, to join like you know so uh, and from then on it was just it was kind of myself and Morrow kind of spearheaded the band like and Morrow would do more of the writing and I would do more of the organisational sort of aspect and getting the gigs and mm. um Working with like James and other bands, they were doing all like all of that. And also, James, love yeah, it. James, you know, all started at kind of the same time. You know, I think the distortion project's about twenty-one years old. Uh, yeah, so it is. Yeah, yeah. Old, so it kind of came up at the 
at the same time, you know, and gigging with like you know, the likes of Sky Pilot and you know They're twenty uh, years old as well, yeah. Yeah. And then you know, just James had started that uh you know, the Rock KD and the Kitty Dilly's part of the distortion project. A lot of great so, bands played through there. Also, it gives it gave us a place to go and everybody wanted to play there and then when James brought over the first kind of big band, like Cathedral or somebody came out with somebody, then a local band got on support and then he brought over another one and another one, mm. and like Orange Goblin and bands like that. And oh, class. It, Were you going to those gigs at that stage, Dwayne? Uh, I might have been, at uh, those particular ones, I might have been a bit uh, fresh-faced, but yeah, I was definitely going to them from when I was 16, 17. Mm. I joined my first band when I was about 17, like, and then... Um, it wasn't too long after that that we were sharing the stage then with uh, with Citizens, you know. Yeah. From then on, I've been at most of their gigs. Like I would, I would um, like it was always hard because you were going up from I was going up from the town on my own, or me and the missus was going up like, and um, so sometimes I just had to get on the train on my own and head down and get uh, drunk as fuck by myself. But I was there to enjoy the music. Anyway, so I always knew plenty of people once I went down there, but it's still, you're the lonesome boatman going up and down the road in the train, like on your own, you know? Yeah, at least at least it was a train anyway, rather than fucking yeah, a bus, you know? That's it, I don't know how many times I've gone to gigs in Cork and my Todd over the last few mm. years, just fucking drive up. I wish I had a train that I could go fucking bearing and go on the train and come back, like, but nah, just get into the car, sup on fucking Heineken Zero and still enjoy the night, man. I know. Well, I've done that before too because the last train home from Belfast is about 10 past 11 and when the big lad's on the drink, he doesn't want to go home at 10 past 11, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you would have crossed paths then, Anto, with Andy from Crawling and Pete. Yeah. Um, again, it, like growing up with those guys, like, you know, pretty much when we're all playing, we all started playing at what, 19, 17, Pete's probably, stuck, Pete's probably been a band since he was like, 13 or 14 or something mm. he's always like condemned or one of the best bands you're ever going to see live you know just savage like Willie Taylor and the drums and Pete and the boys like and you know, <clears throat> Andy uh, playing for Honey for Christ I mean everybody set the bar pretty high too like as far as the, the, the aggression and stuff so you know we've been looking at them and going and we have to get we have to start moving around here we have to drive this home you know and you go and see them, then you go out to practice. Next practice, but twice as energetic, and you're always playing together. I mean, you're, you're mates, but you still want to, you know, that rivalry was always there. And yeah, good lads, good, really good people to come up with, you know. So, and they're still to this day, like at the still going, man. Really, like both of them getting the money together for Black Still Life Pose. Um, how much did that set you back, and where did you record it? It's more than money for Scar, it was a bit more. Scar, like, the Black Still Life Post didn't, didn't cost that much. It was maybe about a grand and a half a piece, maybe. Okay. Um, but for Scar, we spent 10000 Wow, that. fuck. Um, <clears throat> but we were we were lucky. Um, but in Belfast, everybody was playing for maybe £50, £100. We were playing on Lurgan. We could lift, like, £900 a show, which was unheard of. Fuck nobody, me. Nobody from Belfast was coming up. And... I remember talking to Andy about this. The whole time I was in the band with Citizens at the start, 
I always operated in thousands. We always had thousands of pounds in the bank. And Andy would have like, you know, 250 pounds. And I think they like come up to Lurgan, but they didn't have you know, the base. We had, a, we had a really good fan base in Lurgan. So, I mean, fucking six, seven hundred, eight hundred a night, like 950, I think we lifted. So we got 10 grand to get for, you know, uh, recording on press campaigns. Fucking works. Really, really three, everything got scarred, like, you know, so that's, but the, the most of that came from Lurgan. We, mm. and the bar, because the, because the place was packed all the time, the bar didn't charge us anything to rent the place or anything. They just, they, as soon as we, we just phoned up and said, come up, we need a gig. And they gave us a date on no charge. The sign guys didn't even take any money, nothing. Like, we just got all that money. That's what we were able to, able to go over and play in Germany and Holland fly over and do all that stuff. It's just purely... So tell us about that, actually. That was the obvious next step to get to the UK, to get to these European countries. Um, what are your memories of that? Um, again, like Andy Clark. Uh, really? He was, yeah. Andy was over with... Uh, they, they were playing somewhere in Europe and seen this band called Ripsaw. And they were like, you should play... You should move down and play with Cinescence and... He came home and said to me, you should go over to, you know, um, over to Holland and play with them. So we got touched and done the gig swaps. But to be honest, we were over in Germany before that. Um, there's a, a German band called Motor, or sorry, Fire Dogs, just uh, MySpace, um, commented and said, really like your music. Um, nice to meet you or something. And I just fired back, do you want to play in Belfast? And they said yes. So we were like, well, if you give us shows over in Germany, we'll swap. And it literally was as simple as that. Like wow. two months later, we were in Germany. Fuck. And that's how it came about. Just a Facebook or a MySpace message. Just guys were willing to take, take the chance and so were we. So The German crowds are legendary. How did you go down? Uh, that's a different. To be honest, they booked us three punk gigs. We didn't uh. But it was great. We just... Uh, we got into this place and it was just all punks. We were like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, uh, <laughs> and they were saying, what? <laughs> get metal gigs, you know? So we were, we were just looking at each other on stage and went, I turned to the drummer and said, just speed everything up the fuck and let's go for it. Um, we just played everything near enough fucking twice the speed and they fucking loved it. it was <laughs> great. So, you know, just free beer, fucking you know, all that. All that stuff and yeah, that's all. We just played the music up and it was really, it was really fun. It was good. And were you aware at that stage there was a lot of attention kind of being focused on the band from, as I said, UK media? Had you any record labels sniffing around you? Yeah, uh, to be honest, we're probably a bit green in that respect. Like, I mean, the Metal Hammer thing, I think we got eight out of ten and had good reviews and power play and crying and all that stuff. We did sign a few deals as such, but there were just fucking piss poor. They were, you know, with the front of their own sort of press campaign, Rising Records were a fucking disaster. It turned out your man, who ran it, uh, I think it was Mark Daghorn, I think his name is, he ended up going to prison. He ripped off fucking everybody. I think he ripped off Bruce Dickinson's son's band. It was the most high level that he, okay. he screwed over. Uh, we're saying the Casket Records, and they were, I mean, let's be honest, they were shaked too. Like, uh, but they did sort of put us in contact with a band called Panic Cell at the time. Mm. And they were doing really well in England. They supported Metallica and everything, fuck's sake. So we were able to get, you know, some shows with them and, and relationships with uh, those guys, which they had the relationships with, like, 
uh, collapse and bonus stampede and some really cool guys and oh yeah cool you know seen be able to, so even though even though it was shit the label was shit like we still we got over to England we got doing a, a few shows we got meeting people you know so I mean but as far as anything serious as far as record labels go it was always it was all self self promotion really it got us anywhere mm. And crucially, like, I mean, because, like, we were on about it, Joe from Gamma Bomb. I have to give a shout out to Joe. He always fucking raves about Sinocence. Boys, I've done, done a lot of shows there back in the day. They were, they were always a savage fucking trash bomb, like, you know? Yeah. Even way back then, like. Yeah, your pats obviously crossed a few times. Lots of shows, but they would have been more the local shows, you know, the shows in Armagh, mm. the shows in Oregon, the stuff like Katie, even. They were just, but, like, those shows in Katie and Armagh and stuff. They might have been way out of the road, but you're lifting like three or four hundred pound. You know, that's where you got your we used to have like a like a like a ten venue sort of circuit that you could do every you know two or three months and you could get like three or four hundred pound a show, but a lot of the Belfast bands weren't really doing that, you know. Maybe they just didn't know, but we were we were getting all our money down there, you know, that's that's kind of where we got it. Um that's where we got our money from, you know. Mm. Yeah, Belfast hardly plays Fuck at all. Like, yeah, like the Belfast band was wondering all about Katie, like you know, at that time. Yeah, like we when I was playing in a another band, Killer one time, and we we lifted eight hundred pounds from the courthouse, aren't they? Fuck, unbelievable! So, I was just a door, like, but she went down to Belfast then, and everybody was paying their whatever to get down and paddle diesel or whatever it was, and then she was getting fucking fifty quid. And, yeah, fifty quid is a half fast rate. That's usually only around the worst fifty quid. That's what I'm saying. It's not as if it's not as if you were fucking um you weren't looking hundreds and thousands, but when it costs you more and stuff to get buys down and fucking shit like that there and you were sort of getting fucking fifty quid and then you were trying to put maybe bond money away too. It was just fucking a kick in the ball sometimes too, you know, and especially you didn't mind it. If you went to the gig and the gig was fucking buzzing and it was class and all that there, but then you were going to the all at least you got a buzz there, but then you were going to the all ones where there was fucking maybe nobody at it or, mm. or there was no the sound was shit or something like that, and then you still only got your thirty quid, your forty quid, and you're going, like, Fuck's sake. What's the fucking point? Like To be fair, it's similar enough in Cork as well, shit money as well, back in the day. It's the same everywhere, but we're all doing yeah. it, you know, so it was all it was all about a crack, like you know what I mean. Yeah. You get, you just take your lumps, like don't you? That's just, that's just how you come up, you know. Fuck, yeah. dude, I remember some of the gigs we did, like when November Day listen stuff. They would have just some of the gigs we did. You'd have said, right, lads, that's it. Pull the pen to fuck, like. I've seen the videos. <laughs> 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 yeah, shit on it. So I remember getting paid a hundred pounds. We were three piece, and that was it. You know, you play for fucking two hours. Covers band, 100 quid, you know, and a few beers. That was your lot. You certainly, yeah. you certainly weren't, even if you got up to the city, you wouldn't be getting fucking more than two or 300, Mac. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why so many great musicians just went into fucking wedding bands because they were coining it then, like. Oh, yeah, that's where the money's at. Still, I hear, I had um, one of the bands I was in over the years, uh, Devastate, I had a, uh, Said to them about being a, a fucking wedding band. Two bands it was in, I actually suggested being a wedding band. And um, a couple of guys were for it and a couple of guys weren't for it, so nothing ever materialised. But that, that was a sure far way to get 
maybe three or four gigs a week and get your money for it. You know exactly. what I mean? Save up the cash for the real fucking record. Well, well that's that's well, that was the lot the logic behind it. Like that's mm-hmm. all you can do your weddings Monday to fucking Friday and then do whatever the rest of the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're like I, I'm still amazed that anybody even goes into the local music scene because there's no fucking money in it and it takes a lot of money to get there and to go and do your recordings and to do your fucking CDs, your EPs, your albums, whatever. It all takes cash, but you don't get any cash back from it. Like, even if you were getting, even if you got fucking 100 quid a gig, you would at least say, well, it's 100 pound to put in the kitty. You know, 10 gigs and now you have a grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, you'd have maybe done fucking 10 gigs and you'd have had about 200 pound get up, you know? Just yeah. sucked, like, Mm. <laughs> yeah, how <hell> it is though. <laughs> Who was that then? Metal box recordings in 2010. Basically, we uh, went out on the road with Blaze Bailey. Okay. And when, like, we know his uh, their management and stuff. And by the end of the tour, they had left Blaze Bailey, and the drummer joined us for a wee while. And Blaze's manager joined us, so we were going to, you know, kind of go for that. Uh, so they had started up Metal Box Recordings. They, they took the name, but um, we never, it never really panned out. We were, we were trying to do this thing where we would we would essentially, Blaze, we would plug into his network, if you know what I mean. Um, okay. And we were going to get like, have a back line in England, and a back line here, and fly over and fucking, you know, do all this sort of stuff. And then, I think Ryan Earl pulled out of somewhere, like whatever airport they were that we were close to that we we're going to do this from. Ryan Earl pulled out of it. So instead of, you know, 60 or 70 quid and um, flight over and back, and 35 each way, it was like going to be 200, you know, eight okay. personally each. So the cost just went right up. And, you know, it was a few things just, it just did not up anymore, you know, to do that. Like, um, and just with a, because we couldn't really do that in England, it wasn't really a much point to having a management there, if you know what I mean, and yeah. paying for that. Yeah, that that, that kind of didn't really work out. We had we had released Scarpscore our, ourselves, you know, beforehand. We were going to relaunch it like for a more focused worldwide release, like and, and try and get on the road. But it just didn't. It was one of those things. It just didn't really work out. Um, and we ended up, you know, just going going back to. Back to home devices, if you know what yeah. I mean. And were you all um, working at that stage or part-time we've jobs always, or what? We've always been working all the mm. time. Um, it's just one of those things, like, it just, uh, we've all got families and stuff, like, and things, uh, bills to pay, like, so, oh, yeah, yeah. working, like. Or do you know what? We were hoping to make a spring from the metal box thing to, <clears throat> I suppose it's like playing for a local football team and then going and playing for Liverpool, like, the gap. It's so big. I mean, you, you sort of get to the edge, and to make that, to make it really work, you have to be making, some, you have to be making guaranteed money. Like you know, it's it's very hard to make that jump. Yeah, you know, some bands are probably ready to make the jump, but financially, the they just can't. You know, it's it's about managing expectations and perceptions, really, isn't it? Yeah, but like you know, <clears throat> like some bands are looking right at it, and then. You know, if you have a mortgage to pay, you can't you can't just take three months off work and go and tour America as much as you want to. Like, you know, it's mm. 
it's kind of hard as far as you can push it. You know what I mean? Yes. And then Gamma That's Bomb did though. Fair play. Fair play. They went for it at the time when a lot of bands like yourselves and and through no fault of your own as well, you know, I mean, but just the fucking planets well, aligned for them. It takes, it takes balls and hard it does. work. Fair play, though. That's 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 fantastic. You've, you've got the energy. You've got the get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You really have the balls to do it. Fucking fair play, to you. It's it's not easy. Like it's not easy. Yeah. What are the highs and lows then over the last few years? Then. Uh, fuck. I mean, you played Ulster Hall as well, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. To me, like you know, having scar obscure in my hand is isn't is nice. Like finishing the. Was sort of set out like what seven year period or five year period to do New Gods one, two, and three. Yeah. We'll finish that, that trilogy. Um, mm. do a video for each, you know, we sort of said we're going to do this um, six or seven years later. You know, we've done it, and like, I mean, it's just personal stuff. I like, my, my parents both died during that, and a few things happened, but we we're able to stay the course and, and get it done. So, the albums to me are the the highlights, you know, yeah. To me, it's just more, it's more personal that way. But we've had some good shows. We've played with like Machine Head and Wasp, and yeah, fuck it, you've you supported some fantastic bands actually. Sacred Reich, Armored Saint, yeah, as well. It's not so bad. Like it's not unpleasant getting on stage with those boys. Like you know, and... I have to ask you about uh, Bulldog Bash. Go ahead. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Uh, what didn't happen? That was a fuck up from start to finish. Like, go on. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what your what what information you've got here. Like, this so okay, so status quo headlined, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, and you went into it thinking what it was a festival, but it was kind of ran by bikers or something. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird. We actually got bumped up from like what third on the bill, the headlining the second stage, which was. <laughs> ridiculous and when we were there the sound guys were like I don't know one of them was high on meth or some shit I wouldn't even let him come go anywhere near my aunt or do anything he was falling all over the stage it was a good show and all like uh, but it was just it was a fucking mess I've never seen anything like it like being offered crystal meth before you go on stage is something I've never had happen by a stage hand you know what I mean what the we went down to the backstage office, like this, just to talk about gear, and they were just lying, like just comatose, just fucked up. We were like, "Who's running this?" And then it's like, "Oh, your headline." We're like, "But the only the only cool thing was like when we did headline, for whatever reason, all the fireworks went off, and the status quo must have been finished or whatever the fuck. Or we went on that late, and when we came off, the the fireworks all came off, so it looked like they were fucking for us. So we just sat in the stage and watched this firework display on. It was just nuts. And then somebody got shot, dead, killed on the way home with the bakers and stuff. And it was just, there was no place weren't allowed anywhere near three mile radius of the festival. So it was like strippers on the, the stage and all. It's just, it was mental. I've never seen anything like that. Fuck me. It suited us fine, but it was just, it was just fucking nuts. I don't know how, I don't know how they got through the day, but sure. As you said yourself, that's not something. <laughs> Some to be sniffed at to fucking was, experience that crystal yeah. met. They said it was crystal met and all, yeah. Yeah, and offered me it like it was a kind of coke. But here, mate, do you want something? I'm like, what? Smith's crying, like as if, as if it was just gonna get given a bag, you know. 
unbelievable. And he looked offended when I said no. Get the fuck it, you know. See, Dwayne, this is the stuff you avoided, man. You should be grateful. Uh, I'm starting to salvate it at the mouth there, thinking about it. <laughs> Live sex shows, strippers, everything, man. Fucking rock yeah, and roll, no, baby. It was just fucked up. It was just like, you know, we were trying to put on a... Like, we played Bloodstock that year as well, so we were like trying to get ourselves, you know, a bit of attention and fucking be professional and... I would just walk into that. A bloodstock couldn't have been any more different. They were fucking on the money, rock and roll, you know. Which tent did you play the the first time you played there? Was it New Blood? It was, not long ago. It was just the the second tent. I don't think there was any fucking names to them. Okay. So was it a covered area or was it outdoor? No, it was covered. It was okay. The, yeah. It wasn't as big as the Sophie stage is now. Yeah, yeah. But it yeah. was it was the only second stage, if you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Money for Christ played that year as well. Class, fuck it, nice yeah. one. You were well repped. Yeah, it was good. It was good, crack. And did, then he played as well with Ray Haller of Sweet Savage, man. That was pretty cool. Yeah, the rehearsal was much better than the Ulster Hall. To be honest. How did that happen? Um, James wanted us to do a like a special guest sort of thing, or somebody on the bill to have a you know a guest singer sort or something like that. So, like. Like big fans of you know Metallica and even the Sweet Savage and stuff like mm. you know Red Red likes the band so we would sort of put it out there. Do you want to get up and fucking have a jam? So we just thought it would be cool to do a song with like Metallica jamming with them and then fucking we'll jam it with them and see see what happens. Like you know so uh, yeah, it was really good. Like Ray came down a couple of days before to practice and. Like the practice was way cooler. We played it a lot faster, a lot fucking heavier. Like, and mm. when we got up there, it was played a bit slower. It was like, I don't know, I just fucking bit the, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hammered it out a little bit of practice, but no, it was good. It was, uh, Ray's been a big supporter of the band. He has done, always has been. Uh, it was just really nice to get up there and show the stage with him, like, you know. Mm. And then if you suffer pre gig nerves, no? Nah, I don't really. I don't just. It practice that much, you don't really get it. Like, you know, so fucking not going to screw up when I get up there. Like, I've done it that many times, you know. Yeah. So, not really. Like, what about you, Dwayne? No, sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it, I, I think you need the nerves. I, I like the nerves, and maybe a wee bit of anxiety, you know, the fucking before you're going out, and it's nothing that you haven't done a thousand times before, and that you're not comfortable doing. But I've always got it, man. Um, mm. from day one until fucking now and uh, even when I'm r- regularly gigging like um, back in the day you were maybe doing two or three gigs a week week in week out like and yeah. it was the same dude every time before the gig you were like fucking just out of anxiety and the nerves going nuts but as soon as the music starts you forget about it and you get up there and you just fucking enjoy yourself and I, I like I don't even know what the fuck to be at on stage sometimes I just uh, get up there and do what I want and enjoy myself and Sort of just, it's not that I pretend that nobody's there, but I don't give a fuck if anybody's there. I, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And, you know, hopefully you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Rehearsing now with the it's new stuff, he's cool. still throwing in one or two covers as well. It's the hero. It's, to be honest, it's, a, it's such a fucked up time at the minute. Um, we had like four or five songs we were working on there just before the last you know, lockdown. Like, so mm. we're trying to get the new stuff going 
And then we would just start getting a bit of a, a bit of fucking pace for that. Yeah, there's another lockdown or there's some shit that last there was a lockdown and then we got in for about two months, got a couple of songs going, and then another lockdown. We didn't get in for four or five months. And like we were one of those bands that need to be in the room. Do you know what I mean? With I know we're we're kind of everybody's been forced to, you know, record on a record like, you know, and send it fucking through WhatsApp. We're a twenty year old band. Like, you know, we're used to being in the room and yeah, we're, we're we're doing that, and we're starting to get a bit better at it. But like, we're still we still need to iron out the songs that we have. Tons of material. We just need fucking time in the room, you know. Yeah. So hopefully, with this lockdown left in, like you know, we'll, we'll get these songs played because we have a few there. Like you know, at dear point, I'm going to keep a couple of songs from the the red, like the, the other stuff. Yeah, we will, but we need to get these new songs in and then see how the flow. With mm. the, the old set, we'll, we'll always do a few. We'll pick some stuff that, I mean, to be honest, some of the stuff that we have, we couldn't play it before because it was too technical. You know, you, you really need a yeah. frontman, a guitar player to do the, the the double vocals, all that stuff. Like So we'll shake it up. But at the minute, we're really focused on the on the songs that we have and getting getting them recorded, like, you know. Simon Pickett is still with G as well. He, he, is, is, yeah. but he hasn't been down much because... We're getting, you know, we're getting, we want to get a batch of songs together first and then uh, we'll get him down. Simon's a, Simon's a professional, like, he just comes down, he only needs, like, three weeks, he'll have them all nailed pretty much to perfection. He'll just walk in and do it. So once we have our, our bass set of tunes ready, we'll get Simon down and he can start getting the work, like, you know. What kind of direction are the songs taking at the moment? I know they're still in raw enough form, but like, are they, is it a follow-on from No Gods, No Masters? Or are they different again with, with Dwayne? What's your opinion on what you're hearing at the moment anyway? Um, no, I, I like them, but I'm bashed. <laughs> but uh, no, they're still, they're still Citizen songs, like, but um, just a little bit of extra fucking space through into the mix, you know. Would you prefer heavier or a mixture of both? Um, the 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 music is still similar. I, I prefer a mixture of both. Like the music is still the same, but the vocals will be different. Obviously, yeah. um, when I came in and uh, was singing the older, um, Sinison stuff, I was singing it, um, like still like how Morrow would would have sang it. You know, of course, yeah. I was still singing it his way because that's the way the songs were sang, mm. um, and our vocals were similar. I I found I could match a lot of the stuff he was doing handy enough, and then um, I could batter some of the stuff as well that, that he couldn't do live. But then he's doing more than I, I ever did on stage. But um, I think that the, the newer vocals I like I like a bit of heavy stuff too, like because I've been in hardcore bands and stuff over the years as well. Like so, okay, I like, cool. I like a wee bit of screamo stuff in there too. But um, yeah, I know that they're, they're still it's still Simpsons. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's not going to have that that sinister sound that we all know and love, but um, it's just got it's just got a bit of a different stamp on it now. Obviously, yeah, that's going to be fucking cool. And Can't wait. Fucking, I'm so fucked up to tell you the truth, dude. Because like, once we start to get a bit of fucking steam, something happens, and then we get another bit of steam, and something fucking else happens, and the world near blows up. You know what I mean? It's fucking. Just give us a fucking chance to get out of here. Yeah, I think, look, 
Do you know, the positive side is you'll all be fucking vaccinated before we will be down south anyway. So at least that way, you know, you'll probably have a few months on us. <laughs> yeah, true. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping that the bar, I'm hoping that we get gigging this year. Like, but frick, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I really yeah, don't. Better get it fucking sorted out, man. Because I want to be up in Belfast in August, September at the latest for fucking. Well, I, to be honest with you, dude, I think I think at the earliest it's going to be fucking September hmm. before they're going to open. Sh- and that's uh, honest to fuck. That's what I think. Like before, sure, we're end of March now, basically, um, yeah. and we're no further on really. Like so. If we get to September and they're opening the pubs and stuff again and letting gigs go go ahead, like because I mean you're going to the pub and you're going for fucking food and everybody's got to keep their distance and all that there. So I don't know how they're going to react to fucking gigs where people fucking moshing and sweating all over each other. And no, you won't be left in unless you have a fucking cert to say that you've been vaccinated. That's that's where it's going to start. So so you get your you get your heat temperature into your forehead. Have you got your fucking vax and you'll probably yeah. get in then? The restrictions are supposed to all drop on the 21st of, of June. So mm. if that's the case up here anyway, mm. um, July is maybe a good spot. I think James is going to get it in place anyway. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, mm. at least, you know, it's been... I believe it when I see it. Yeah, yeah same here, same same. here man. Yeah. But he's looking at the 10th of July for the first show back. So look, let's say ideally speaking, right? You get you get back early. You get to work on the songs. You could be looking at the end of the year, maybe into January. We'll say if it's an EP. I'm just guessing now, right? Just say four or five songs. Have you anyone in mind to produce it? Oh, have you even? Don't what? even have to think about it. Don't even have to think about it. The Frankie McLeod, Einstein. Okay, That's yeah. Stick with what you know. Cool. Here, I have a question for you. What do you think? So, yeah, like, but given the stuff that's been going on, this is what we're this is what we're floating about in the band, right? Mm. Two or three songs, pretty much ready to rock, right? Yeah. Should we record a couple of songs now and just get them done, get them out, and say hello? Maybe stick a video out, or should we just build and do an EP or an album? Because we haven't done any music, we have music there in the tank, and we haven't put it out. So, so that's the kind of thing we're talking about in the van. Like you know, if we do an album, God knows how long it'll it'll be before. I would album. say my advice first of all is don't go down the album route. Yeah, get, get two EPs out. So if you can yeah. get an EP out this year, this side of this year, happy days, and then record if you can record it all together brilliant and then release one now and then release the other one in 2022 that's why we done no and masters that's that's three eps yeah but to me it just gets the music out faster and it gives us you know quicker more stuff to do yeah so that's kind of what we're talking about now like when we have we have some material like you know it's just don't really want to wait fucking go through the whole shit to, to get on a whole album together like or just put some stuff mm-hmm. out there like yeah, the I, I would... a song there yesterday, I think, and I think Deadly will put out a, a tune. You know, just maybe we should just take a couple of songs out to get just to do something because we've all been sitting on our hands for a year. My opinion is get a song out if you can over the summer. I mean, look at the crawling, for example. 
Yeah, they've released saying. a single, a spar- the Sparrow, just on a cassette, one song and a cover. How yeah. bad? Everybody's talking about them. Exactly. Again, oh. following them. Cheers, Aldi. <laughs> but yeah, that's something we're thinking about. Um, I'm, maybe, maybe we'll come out with some music sooner than what people will think, you know? Uh, I, you can't go wrong with a, a single release in June, July, without a doubt. Whether yeah. or not that song is on the EP, I would say... Go for an EP rather than an album. Yeah, albums are dead, I think. Yeah, we well, probably enough to go for an EP, to be honest. Yeah. We just need, like Dwayne said, every time we get a, <clears throat> I know. a stable, like, you know, it's, something happens. like So hopefully this time when it opens up and stay open and we'll, we'll get a bit of work done, you know? Yeah. Well, that's good you're going with Frankie because, I mean, fucking hell, you've got a there's, a, there's a good selection of brilliant producers up the north. I mean, Josh there, shout out to Josh Robinson as well, man. His fucking stuff is unreal. Yeah. We've just we've been with Frankie for maybe 15 years. Mm. Just not recording anywhere else. It's just yeah. something like that, like, you know. Um he knows he knows us inside out, he knows what we're after, he knows he's been through a lot of shit well. It's like Frankie yeah. you know, wasn't before we went and you know, like I said, parents stand, things like that. It's just a sort of it's more than just a producer sort of fucking musician relationship like you know he's he's he knows he knows when to push and when not to push when you get that release out you will be playing to packed fucking venues you know the, please uh, god no all goes yeah. well you know but I'm just saying that the the Northern Ireland scene at the moment is fucking savage man the com- seriously competitive up there like yeah it's all it always has been you know, yeah. I, I think it always has been. It's fucking some of the bands we play over here up in the north are just fucking to blow your mind. Like every yeah. time you play with them, and you're like, of all the live bands, the professional live bands that I've seen, the only difference is the production, the on stage production, and like I mean, the skills are, the talents are, the fucking drives are. I mean, the catchiness of the songs, all that shit, sir. Like, but. Obviously, it's on a different fucking scale because they're playing in Belfast or Dublin or wherever. Like, but um, the bands are all fucking lethal. Like, mm. yeah. So you need to you need to be like, but it's good because everybody always has to up their game then to keep up with everybody else. You know. Oh well, fuck it, that'll drive you on, man. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. There's it's seriously competitive up there, and as well as that. When you come down south, you have, you know, you got Dublin, you've got Limerick, you've got Cork, straight away, you know. <clears throat> yeah, you can bounce like, what, two-ton slug and fucking savage. Ten-ton, yeah, fucking unreal. Yeah, ten-ton, sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two tails of gold, yeah, fucking dead. Great stag. There's just so many there, man. Big killers down there, you know what I mean? So the whole, like Ireland just has always punched way above his weight. Mm. You know, when it comes to fucking metal like I mean it's, it's always been like I've always had a strong fucking scene here like you know and I don't think that's going to change no matter what COVID whatever the fuck I don't think it's going to make any difference yeah you know, so. and uh, you've, play, you've played the Siege as well haven't you yeah that was a, a fuck up <clears throat> again not on our part like a, um, we played there we played there before and the last time we were supposed to play there fucking car broke down or some shit and we had to like me and Jim, me and our bass player drove down, the whole cut the fucking Limerick, and then half the band didn't make it. So oh. we had to fucking, you know, there's us standing there like fucking dickheads, like going, 
I didn't know that. The big, the fucking the big stage too. The main. I was I was got it, but it was one of those things we couldn't. Well, there's nothing we could do about it. Like, but hopefully we'll get back down there at some point. It's a that's fantastic. Like you know, we, had, mm. we did play there, but it was it was a while ago. Um, it was a couple of years ago. We we're supposed to play, and uh, you know, a car incident happened or whatever. Like you know, so yeah, yeah, we're good to get back down. Yeah, but again, we need to get a break. Tony says every time we get fucking ready to to rock, you know, our singer leaves or our drummer leaves or the fucking world goes in the meltdown. Like you know, that's three times we've tried to get this shit going. So hopefully this time we'll we'll get back to it. Like you know, yeah. Like the last the last after Bloodstock, there fucking 2018 we're all right. This is it. You know, we're fucking. We'll take this momentum and we'll push on and. We'll get this done, we'll get that done, and fucking it's going to be good. And then the next thing, fucking Morrow says he's leaving the fucking band. And then we're like, all right, okay, holy fuck. And then Simon comes in, and then I think we had another one or two gigs. And then Ben, the drummer at the time, he he, he left the band too. So we're just like, oh, fuck's sake. And then we're trying to get new guys in. And oh, just, it almost seemed doomed at one point, you know what I mean? <laughs> But um, we'll get there. We'll get there yeah, in the end. Just, yeah, that's it, man. Just fucking keep plowing that fucking furrow. You'll get there, lads. 100%. And I'm happy with the music that we're doing. As Anto says, you know, four or five songs there um, that we're working on. Um, they're, they're pretty much fucking done and dusted. So fine tuning on a few of them still to do, but um, I'm happy with them. I'm really happy with how they're sounding. Like, and I think they'll go down well. And um, in the crowd, like I think they'll go down well, but I mean, we're fucking vast as fuck, so <laughs> we'll have to wait and see what you say yourself. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, you're releasing it into a hungry scene. You know, everybody is just going to be even clamoring the fucking release and fucking gig and everything. Yeah. I'm going to just thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's great talking to you, Anton, Dwayne. Just wish you the fucking absolute best and hopefully your luck will thank change. Thank you very much for having me, dude. Don't say bye bye. <laughs> so you've been listening to Richie, Anto and Dwayne from Cinescence. Support your local metal scene and please God, we will get fucking live gigs back and especially Cinescence and they'll make an appearance down south as well. Big
you knew.